They call themselves the Bad Batch. Hunter, the leader. Wrecker, the brawler. Echo, the hacker. Tech, the specialist. Crosshair, the marksman. This is the Bad Batch Talk. Hello there and good evening. Welcome back to the Bad Batch Talk. Tonight I'm joined, as always, yet again, Brenton. Good evening, mate. Good evening, sir. How are you? Oh, sore. Sore. Slapping weatherboard, sir. I'm sore. Hey, Glenn. Hello there. What's happening? Oh, not much. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, just... Uh, just cruising. Just another just another weekday? Yeah. I thought it was Tuesday today. No, it's Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. It's Podsner's Day. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I always look forward to it when Wednesday comes around. I'm like, yep, it's podcasting night. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's a good thing to look forward to every week. Yeah, bloody earth. Alrighty, so recap on episode nine, Lost Bounty. As we see, Crosshair is chasing the Bad Batch off the planet Baraka. Yeah, we see Cad Bane take on Fennec Shan, trying to trying to get that Lost Bounty back. Uh, they're fighting on the planet of Boravillo. And we also get to find out Omega's little dirty secret, that she is none other than Boba Fett's sister. Yeah, she's a genetically perfect clone of Django. There are two of them, Alpha and Omega. Yeah, the beginning and the end. That's it, that's yeah. exactly it. And then we then we see the uh, the Bad Batch come in, save, uh, save Omega, and then they fly off into the, into the sunset. Start... Episode 10. Episode 10. Common Ground. Common Ground. Following a narrow escape from Cad Bane, this episode Common Ground finds Omega reunited with the rest of the Bad Batch on Ord Mantell, even sharing some more of the Mantell mix with Wrecker, their favourite little treat after they do a mission. Uh, There's a funny detail there with Echo curiously sniffing a piece of the snack, attempting to understand its appeal, like like a child. Echo just needs to get over it, eh? Yeah, he's got to he's got to get into just life. Just he, mi- he misses fives. He's just got a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> he misses his. Well, body. it's better than having a chip in your head. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> uh, so now we've seen multiple bounty hunters coming after Omega. Uh, Hunter and Tech would like to keep a, a, a low profile. Uh, Sid, who is their keeper of sorts, wants to have other plans for them. Reminding Hunter they're still indebted to her. Before revealing her, the the, la- the last, uh, sorry, the latest mission, uh, a simple extraction on Raxus, the former center of the separatist government. Who would have thought going back to Raxus? Yeah, we get to see Raxus as, as well in the Clone Wars as well. Yep, there was an episode in season three. Heroes on both sides. Right, uh, and I think in that we've seen. Uh, Padme interacting with one of the senators there. Yeah, because they were all trying to sign for a peace treaty. Yep. And as usual, Dooku and uh, Sidious get in there and mess it all up because it, it w- could have, uh, will have hap- will have happened, you know. What bastards, are they? Uh, Raxus we've seen before to a degree, I, uh, like Willie said in the, the Clone Wars, but also from a, a game called Force Unleashed. There was a planet called Raxus Prime. It was a junk world. Um, there's a couple of missions there where you fight a few dudes. We see for the first time what happens to planets that were aligned with the Confederacy of Independent Systems, uh, of the Trade Federation, when they become under the Galactic Empire. Now, the episode opens on Raxus as the Imperial Captain Bragg 
Who is voiced by Shelby Young? She's an American actress who voiced Princess Leia and a couple other characters in um, Forces of Destiny, the short cartoon series uh, that's out. Yeah, right? yeah, yep. And she also does multiple characters at Galaxy's Edge. Uh, and she's also done additional voices in the second season of Mandalorian, so probably backgroundy sort of characters. Yeah, yep. So she's not a uh, she's not a newbie to Star Wars and voices stuff. So it's Captain Bragg. She addresses the uh, masses um, in the planet's capital city of Raxulon, Assur- assuming assuming assuring them that the Empire is not their enemy and will treat them fairly. But I think ha. anything in inverted commas. Ha. Ah. Yeah, isn't isn't true, right? Of course, uh, what the Empire really wants is to un the unquestioning obedience from the former separatists, uh, same as it demands from the Galactic Republic's worlds. As such, when Raxus Senator Avi Singh, now he's voiced by Alexander Siddig, uh, and he's been around for years. He's been in Twenty Four, Game of Thrones, Peaky Blinders, Deep Space Nine few other Star Trek stuff he's jumped across to. Nice. I recognised his face when I seen him, but I couldn't tell you what I ever saw him in, you know? <laughs> so he interrupts the speech uh, to the capital to speak out against the Empire's unjust occupata- occupation. The Imperials swiftly arrest him and use their military firepower to intimidate the city's residents. Uh, while the Empire might discriminate equally against everyone, Bad Batch isn't exactly thrilled about the idea of rescuing one of their enemies from the Clone Wars. Uh, the last thing Hunter wants to do is to bring Omega to the planet swarming of Imperial forces, because that's not a good idea. Uh, but not one to turn down a lucrative opportunity, Sid tells him to leave Omega behind with her. Uh, Hunter says to her that he doesn't trust her as much as she doesn't. he doesn't trust the Empire. But Sid points out that it's in her best interest to keep Omega safe. It means putting money in her pocket. Amiga's unhappy about this because she's part of the crew. She wants to go and be with uh, the Bad Batch. And, uh, but she does agree when Hunter firmly orders her to stay on Ord Mantel. As the Bad Batch arrive on Raxulon, uh, they discover that their client is Singh's droid, GS-8. GS-8's a RA-7 protocol droid. I think we've seen one of them before in Phantom Menace. And I've got a feeling on the Death Star, maybe. I think there was also one in the... Um, was it Jabba's Barge or was it the um, Jawa's Sandcrawler? Sand I'm pretty sure it's a Sandcrawler. So, so GS-88 actually has a sister. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we get to see uh, Solo. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. <laughs> we were all going to talk about that, I guess. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. This way we're looking at each other. Oh, uh, yeah, so, of course... You have a sister. Our, uh, blah, 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 GS8 is voiced by Sian Clifford. And Sian Clifford plays the sister to Phoebe Waller-Bridge in a f- show called Fleabag. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge played L337. Yes. I think... It's very funny that L337 is about droid rights and GS8 is clearly very obedient to her master. Mm. Two sides of the coin. Yeah. So did you when did you find that when researching it? Because I heard the voice. I actually thought it was uh, Phoebe and it wasn't. No, I, I 
I'd re- when I was researching the characters. Because I heard the voice very similar. I was like, that sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched Fleabag? First episode, actually, after you mentioned it, and I've forgotten to watch the rest. Yeah, that's, it is a good show. If you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. Regardless what you think of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's a good show. So the RA7, it's popped up in Clone Wars a lot. There was one in Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, Rebels, we've seen a few of them pop up in Rebels. And Mandalorian. Chapter 7 and Chapter 16, we've seen an RA7. Uh, Galaxy's Edge. There's one at the Droid Depot. Good for them. Yeah. Is this like in movie trivia, they just mention Galaxy's Edge as like it's part of... Galaxy's Edge is meant to be trivia. Oh, trivia. Canon. Yeah, canon, but they kind of mention it like everyone should know. Yeah. The funny thing is, like, it's never... They say it's canon, but it's never referenced... Like, Batu is never referenced in any of the yeah. other media. So it's supposed to be canon. You are walking so in an actual Star Wars environment. Galaxy's Edge is more or less the Asgard of the Star Wars universe. It exists, but doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just... I'm The only way I'll ever be on in Galaxy's Edge is if they rebrand it to Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Well, aren't they meant to be changing it up a little bit? No, there's all rumours and shit, but... Yeah. Who knows? All right, so... Echo is highly suspicious of GS8 because it is a... A, uh, a droid owned by the Separatists. Yeah, a Separatist droid because Echo had a very bad run-in with some Separatists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's also very cautious about everything about the mission in general, uh, which is only fair, like we said, the horrific shit that happened to him. All the same, GS8 seems earnest and informs them Singh is under house arrest at his compound for refusing to follow the Empire's commands. After making their way past the clone troopers patrolling the capital streets, the squad sets out to take down the compound's surveillance system. Even you is using GS-8 to distract the troopers, guarding the entrance to the building. In a brief but touching moment, Hunter forgets Omega's not with them while he takes out the guards on the compound's levels, instructing her and Tech to head off together. Tech informs Hunter that that would be impossible. All the while, Captain Bragg threatens to use an interrogation droid, a.k.a. Torture droid we've seen in A New Hope used on Princess Leia by Darth Vader. So, this is going to be used on Singh if he doesn't profess his loyalty to the Empire. She's about to make good of her promise when Bad Batch bust in, uh, just in the nick of time, stunning her and the troops. On a side note, I've noticed that Hunter and the gang continuously stun the Imperial clone troops instead of killing them. They just don't want to kill their brothers. But there is episodes where they are just firing regular lasers too, so yeah, it's a little bit inconsistent, but it's still nice to see them sort of like they don't really hurt them. I think they must think that um, all clones can be somewhat um, redeemable by taking out the chips, so maybe... Well, that's it. See, they're not really under any sort of... They're under control, should I say. They're not under yeah. their own free will. It's, it's, it is the, the chips doing this to them. They are under a control. They're not actually... Because I think... Order 66, it's more than just kill all the Jedi. It's a it's a loyalty switch. Well, yeah, it's basically they've they've gone from their um, own unique persona to now just 24-24-7 loyalty mode. Yeah. Mindless drones. Yeah. yeah. And you see that in the episode. You, none yeah. of these clones that are now the Empire, none of them have any sort of 
Or thinking of their own. Everything's in order. And none of them have like their um, their unit markers. None of them have. They're, they're all just the tra- it's the transition to the white the, to the white yep. to the stormtrooper call. What they call it in the Karen Karen Travis books? White jobs? I can't I remember. They call them white jobs instead of regs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> white jobs. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Snow job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's getting a little bit closer to the word we're thinking of. <laughs> Mike Oxlong. Here's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit of, it's not trivia, it could be head cannon. What is, <laughs> F is what number in the alphabet? Uh, six. 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 Friendly fire. FF. Six, six. Order 66. Oh, shit, son. Damn. Did you think that yourself? Nah. No. I saw it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor ripped that off. Oh, you should have claimed it, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I can. Yeah, I did think of that, actually. Yeah, see? Just I'll just cut that out. Yeah. yeah. So, Willie, as they're busting out the senator, we then see the return of some big-ass all-terrain tactical enforcers. Ah, uh, yes. Do you have any... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any well, info on them? Well, yeah. Well, they they uh, they're uh, the republic's equivalent to the the uh, ATAT more or less. So we get to see these in the uh, in the very first battle of the Geonosis. We get to see them all land by the by the gunships, which are specially equipped by uh, to to drop them off into, onto the field of battle. Um, and they've got four quad cannons, and then they've got the big giant heavy cannon cannon that sits on the back that can fire. Uh, the your normal rocket art, rocket artillery to your laser um, artil- artillery as well. Yeah, right. And were, my little notes here that I love, they were called Six Legs by the Droid Army. That's like a yeah. bit of slang that they used. They always remind me of like one of, the, one of those big like dung beetles. Yeah, you know it does what look I mean? like a big beetle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But also they're, 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 really, um, they're really cool machines because they also house um, small units, like a small... Small uh, squad in the center of it, um, and they can also use the the light walkers as well. They drop those out the back. And this this particular vehicle is the one that Rex, Gregor, and Wolf. Yeah, yep, that's correct. Modify. Yeah, they just modified the living hell out of it. Yep. They just had just <laughs> they just added a second story. Yeah. <laughs> and a great big like fishing landing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty much. All right. So as the Empire forces swoop in on them and. Uh, Firing in all directions, the uh, Imperials manage to knock down the squad's tank. Echo and Tech have a uh, little trouble getting it back up and running again. I did like seeing them actually getting in there, and like you could see them working while the other boys went off and like took o- took out the clones, uh, diving, dodging, stunning. I almost thought, it, with the time it took for him to try and fart us around, getting this droid, getting this uh, walker back up and running. They could have just jumped on the walker behind them, Taking done, that one. <laughs> done yeah. exactly the same thing. Yeah. Seeing though they just own regs like it's said tomorrow. But I, it was good seeing them work as a squad without Amiga. Well, yeah. Something I really enjoyed about this episode was, uh, even though I like Amiga, like there's nothing wrong with Amiga, uh, it was nice seeing them as a squad doing their thing. Yeah, because um, we noticed this at the start of the of the Bad Batch series how, how off they were. Um, as a as a as a unit, when uh, Crosshair started acting up, and then eventually left, they they, they kind of just didn't have their didn't have their uh, didn't have their groove. They just seemed a little, a little bit off. 
it's like they're all out of, out of sync with one another because they're missing a member. Yeah. But you know, it's just, it's the same similar sort of thing with um, Republic Commandos. You know, they're not designed to be solo troopers. They're designed to be their utmost effective as a as a, as a solid unit. Squad. A squad. <laughs> one of our favourite words. Original squad. <laughs> big dirty squad. Drop our company. Alrighty. Uh, something I'm pretty certain of. There's a few clones that call out a few orders or they say a few things during this battle. And I'm fairly certain a few of the trooper voices, they're not clones. No, they're not. They don't sound like clones to me. No, we Yeah, there's um there's, there's actually a few of them. Yeah, and there's uh they're they're turning into a dead end. There's a bit where some one of them says they're turning into a dead end. Doesn't sound like Tem Morrison at all, like or the Django, you know, voice. So um, there Bradley, has to be Dear Bradley Baker. Yeah, they they haven't they haven't specifically said it, but there's definitely conscription oh, people yeah, out there in that armor. It's just the just the normal conscripts just filling in the clone ranks. Yeah. Could be wrong. Maybe I'm just not hearing it, but I'm pretty certain. Now Raxus, man, when the scene when the, the episode first started up and it's a big city with vines and shit, that was a pleasure to see. Like the scenes on this planet, it's so gorgeous. The buildings look awesome the artwork in this show I think we've said this many times the artwork in this show is fantastic there's flowers in the streets vines on the walls of the streets composition of the shots they're all beautiful kind of reminds me of Rivendell but but a futuristic Rivendell just made like from Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings yeah no, just this beautiful elvish sort of city that's full of grandeur but it's it's full of nature as well yep and do you know the, the first thing I thought of when I seen this city I'm like I wonder if this is going to be set in Alderaan. Oh, yeah. You know, like... Oh, yeah. To stop you thinking about the timeline, just saying. Yeah, no, it's not It's not <laughs> blown it up yet. Because um, I imagine if, like, yeah, like, they have to go to Alderaan and do a similar situation where Alderaan has to join the Empire. Mm. But I've got a feeling it never did somehow, right? Oh, a pacifist. Yeah. Still, it would be interesting to see, like... I would know. be interesting to see them go there. I'd like to see that. And we could have seen... A li- not that I want to see it, but you could have seen a young um, Leia. Yeah. Would have been a child, a baby. Uh, would have been a chance to see Bale again. Has he been in the series yet? No. Oh. He hasn't been in the series, has he? No. Possibly. Maybe right at the start, but it would have just been fleeting. Yeah. I'll tell you what. For one place that... The, the Grand Army of the Republic tr- desperately tried to reach to end this war, and now they're just there willy nilly, eh? Who would you th- who would have thought you'd find, you know, a clone battalion on on Raxus <laughs> after three years of hundreds of thousands of clones dying, millions of droids have been destroyed, countless planets, you know, taken, conquered, retaken, conquered. Just thrown in the mess, yep. all, all to basically get to Raxus because that's that's where their uh, their their um basically s- their senate was who controlled it all. Yep, it was the it was the midpoint. Yep. Uh, so he wasn't in any. He wasn't in Bad Batch. Boo! He didn't show up. That's okay. <coughs> he might. He might. So, but still, the the animation, I still think this series is stellar. Oh, ten out of ten. It's. I swear it's I swear it's just been getting getting better. And also so like it's the characters in the background. Yeah. Like like I said, like Echo 
confused about the snacks and also the way Wrecker reacts to Omega when they return to the bar. It's only background stuff, but it's so cool. Another little backgroundy thing I noticed, like when they were fixing the, the tank or they're about to take off again, the tank's walking and there's like oil and stuff dropping out of the like yeah, the, the axle. Yeah. Oh, like when it's dripping on yeah, fire? Yeah, yeah. It's just like little details like that. I think it's just, man, super cool. Did, uh, did Crosshair take his new squad to Alderaan? Episode 3? We haven't been to Alderaan. Onderon. Onderon. Oh, He's been to Onderon. Onderon. Ah, righto. Yeah. So that's where... Um, the fugitives were. Yes. And Saw Guerrera. Thanks to some helpful advice from Singh, Hunter and the others escaped by fleeing down an alleyway. So... Singh suggests to go down the alleyway and they sort of go, you know, we're going to get trapped. And he says, you just have to trust me. So they do. And they head down the alleyway. So once they get to the end of the alleyway, they they park the vehicle up on the against the wall, blast through a hole, or blast through a wall. Wrecker gets to show off his uh his wrecking abilities, <laughs> and we find a, a subterranean passage that leads out of the city. Uh, and then Wrecker, of course, uses another bomb and closes the hole back up. Imagine if the center just said, instead of saying blast that wall, if he said we'd need to punch through that wall. And wreck a punch through <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, they, you know, he would have. He just would give it a flogging. Good soldiers follow orders. Uh, so he, he uh, closes the entrance, preventing the Imperials from pursuing them. They're about to leave the planet, but Singh finds himself conflicted, uh, arguing he cannot abandon his people. GS8 points out that he can't help them if he's in Imperial custody, and Echo kindly adds, she's right, live to fight another day. Which we've also heard from uh, Hardcase's mouth. Was it Hardcase that it said was, it, was it, was it? It was Hardcase that okay. said it, yeah. Or at the Battle of um, Umbara. Right. <clears throat> so it's a fine moment of character development for him, given how hostile he was towards aiding the former Separatists at the start of the mission. But I still don't think there's enough in this episode to really show the bridge work that needed to get to this common ground. So the major way for me the episode didn't live up is the, um, to its description of common ground, was the role of the senator. Sigdig plays Avi Singh as a soft-spoken and even polite in battle. But whereas we, uh, we've seen all these other um, separatist leaders yep. be like absolutely obscene people. And, mon- and aliens too. Like yes. it's n- we've yes. never seen humans. So that's the way he is, is a matter of uh, effect, not action. Uh, and he says, like, you're going to have to trust me in, in, a mat- in a moment of battle. But he never gets time to talk about what the experience of any of this has been like for him. Yep. Um, and why he wants them to trust him. Like, he, he knows they're clones. He should have an uh, affinity against them. He never showed one, but... Like we was saying, the Separatists are more human, really, at the end yeah. of the day, than what the clones were. Yep. Droids aside. So, what were his grievances against the Republic? At any point, it's not shown. Does he believe the Empire is just the same or merely a continuation of the Republic, which is what they kind of are? Like, how does he feel about the defeat of the Separatists? That's never really got into. It would have been nice if those things were a little bit more spread out. Um, And what about, like I said, working with the clones? It's never like, like, oh, you guys were my enemies. Like, 
I know I've got to save myself and I want to do good for my people, but it's never really... He's, at no point did he go, oh, clones? Like, why are you here? Like, what's going on? No. We never learn any of that, uh, except for the implication that Singh is grateful uh, to have been saved from his torture, which I, m- maybe that's that's it. But he must know them. Like, he gave uh, a... Seven, yeah. whatever it was. Well, that's GS seven. GS seven. GS eight. GS eight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who? Yeah. He must know something because who did he reach out to? Who's like, his plan? Like who? Uh, maybe Rex has been in contact with him. Well, I guess it came from Sid though. Oh, that's right. So, but still, like, is but Sid this known factor that gets jobs? Like, it's well, he he said to his droid, you know, follow my thing to the detail. And she just like instantly knew, and then she's just like, "I need a job to be done." Yeah. So who is she talking to? Some sort of galactic holonet of <laughs> bounty hunters or or mercenaries, and just gets spread out there. Oh, you see, you see, um, I'm going to bring something idiotic, idiotic into this. You see a similar sort of thing in uh, uh, Force Awakens. How they're all just like contact the contact the uh, the alliance, you know, with the droids here, and it's like. Contact the first order. Tell them that the droids here, or blah, yeah. blah blah blah. You know who are they? Who are they talking to? Is it like a operator? Is it like a third <laughs> a third person? Is it like they go between like they got some random person just sitting in the room? Like like every single bloody you know crime show like Arrow and all these other shows that ha- they've got like this like uh, head inside the little office working things on the computer. And it's like out of nowhere. It's like just randomly months of what months of no calls. It's just like oh. <laughs> Hey, how you going? Contact the Empire. I found the droid. It's like, oh yeah, sure. You know. <laughs> It'll be a group chat. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. group chat. And when they're not doing those things, they're just sending memes. Sending memes, yeah. yeah. And then emoji. It's like, contact the Empire. Ding. And it's like thumbs up. Ding. <laughs> Little Death Star. Smile, <laughs> smiley face. So yeah, instead of a confrontation between Sing and Echo, which I think we should have seen, like that should have been the two driving forces of the. Separatist and Echo being such a having such a history that they should have been much more headbutting there, but we simply had a gentle moment of decision when Echo convinces Singh that he's he just a cranky man. He's just a cranky man. Well, I, I think that should have been played up a lot more, considering considering where he started off, he's now just this cranky, deformed old man. Yeah, and he might change a bit more, or may- maybe he won't. But I, I do wonder. If this episode set up grounds for the Bad Batch working with former separatists in future episodes or in history to come, yeah, I'd because it's like it's almost like that. Well, well, actually, we 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 can say that the separatists were pretty much the good guys, more or less. Well, Dooku convinced them that the Republic was being run by a, a Sith Lord, so they legitimately were fighting against. The bad guys. Yep. So, it was being played, obviously, both by by, by them. But, like, I just... Yeah, like, like I was saying, I just feel like there was more uh, build-up and explanation and just, just, like, Echo especially, seeing that it is the Republic that's not right and the Separatists were just people. I yeah. just sort of wish that we'd seen more of that yeah. than it just saying... Yeah, yeah, you should probably should be alive. So I don't feel like there was enough. It's almost like a, an automatic switch of 
all right, everything's all good now. We've we've spent an episode together. Yep, no, yeah. we're cool. Yeah, that's yeah. No, we're we're buddies now. We're bros. Now yeah. the, the voice, the guy that voiced uh, the senator, I always felt like there was something. His voice was out of sync with the rest of the characters. There was it was just like a different sort of. I I half expected a, l- a little bit more of an obnoxious, pompous sort of kind of kind of a voice, not just this little you know for, with a bloke that's got a moustache. It was a very odd voice. It you'd, just you'd, felt yeah. just felt out of whack. I you'd, don't know. You'd expect some sort of like pompous English, you know, over the top accent or yeah. something. But he was very lightly spoken, very um fuddy duddy in a way. Yeah. Alright, so where's Omega been this whole time? She's been back in Sid's bar. Right. So she spent the episode moping around on Ord Mantell, insisting that it's not fair that she was left behind. Get it right. And uh It's not fear. It's not fear. It's not fear. So Sid replies to her, I've got news for you, kid. Life ain't fair. And she's not wrong. <laughs> I, also, I also like this because she's like given, fully just like um, tutoring the kid, just chewing her ear off. And then, you know, Omega walks off all upset. Even the two scumbag bar, bar flies that are in there just turn to her and just shake their head at yeah. her. That, that made me crack up laughing so much. I thought that was a great <laughs> little bit. Uh, I thought it was great because, yeah, Bolo and Ketch, they're just the disapproving look that they give when they see Amiga's had her feelings hurt. <laughs> they're just like... But they're, like, they're mid-argument Did Ketch say anything in that mm. episode? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't remember which one Bolo and which one's Ketch, but... One of no, they are talking because oh, right, eh? I do remember the Authorian. He does talk when, especially when they're playing, uh, Dejeric. Yeah, yeah. Because Ketch tap was like giving that guy a bit of a hug, but he doesn't say anything. Because I noticed that Ketch was credited as a voiceover somebody. Oh, okay. Him, but I was trying to remember where he spoke. Well, if Ketch, they're already halfway through an argument themselves. It's just like they just. Stop their argument over here. This and they just turn to Sid and just like, <sighs> yeah. They look you've at done, her like, you've done wrong. What, what have you done? What have you done? She's just a kid. Come on, you scumbag Trendosian. All right, Ketch is the the weak way, and Bolo is the Ithorian. There you yeah. go. Yep. Uh, I did. I don't remember Ketch talking exactly. Maybe there was a bit, but Bolo did. He didn't. He did have a bit of a chat. Now Bolo, our Ithorian, my good friend Oliver. Uh, sent me a little message and reminded me that the design of his little mankini, that comes from the original toy. Oh, right, eh? Which I've noticed a lot in the, a lot of the series here with, with Dave Filoni. They've pushed, they've got a lot of these old character concept art stuff or even the figures and they've used them as characters in the show. Especially in, I think it was the f- first or second episode of season seven when it were down in 1313. And you've seen a couple of uh, the figures uh, together in one sort of bit. It's like one little wave of figures are all together. I'm pretty sure you even get to see um, Camel Guy. What's his name? The bloke with the I camel face. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely in there somewhere. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I remember seeing him. Yep. So in the where Sid and uh, Omega have a little conversation about how shit's not fair. Um, it doesn't. Her, Omega having her feelings hurt doesn't last as Omega asks how much Hunter is paying Sid to protect her and then she follows up with not enough uh, grumbled by Sid as she walks away much like Echo and Sing uh, Sid and Omega have to find their common ground 
Sid, Sid finds it more so than Omega, <laughs> I think, <laughs> at the moment, because she's only looking for money, but it's, it's for a good reason. Uh, we figure out that Omega has a knack for playing everyone's favourite holographic game, Degeric. Uh, it's a strategy game. I'm good at strategy, says Omega. Sid offers to give Omega 30% of the winnings if she plays a few matches for some money, but seems amused when Omega demands 60% instead. By the time Hunter and the others arrived on Ord Mantel, Omega is on a massive winning streak and drawing a large crowd of onlookers, much to Hunter's annoyance. I think that's where we see Bolo and Catch talk a little bit too, Glenn. Yeah. But you notice, when as as they've, uh, they've come back from the spaceport and they're walking back towards um, Sid's bar, Hunter's leading them all there. As But then it switches to the scene where they're all down the stairs. Goes to show uh, Rekha's love for Omega or how he feels for her because... He ends up busting between them all and getting down there before all of them, consi- yep. considering he was walking at the back of the pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, he was in that same scene. We also get to see a bark speeder bike used by oh, yeah. used by the Republic, which I guess now has just been picked up by any Tom, Dick, and Harry left over from the Clone War. Well, I guess they could be just lying around. Oh, there'd be thousands of them. I have to say, we do get to see quite a fair few Pantorans this season. They are popping up everywhere. Everywhere, because the fellow that Sid's playing in that bar is Pantoran. Yes. Yeah, the winning streak and the large crowd of onlookers is uh, much to Hunter's annoyance because he wants them to keep a low profile. He was a little bit annoyed. So uh, he then criticises Omega for failing to keep a low profile. Sid then reveals that she made enough money to pay off the Bad Batch's debt to her. Wrecker similarly shoulder bumps Hunter for being too hard on his bestie. So there's a little (laughs) moment there where Hunter gives him a knock. Like, say, come on, come on. Gives Wrecker a knock. I yeah. thought Wrecker was the one. Wrecker gives shit. Hunter oh, yeah. a knock. Yeah. yeah. It sort of... Doesn't look happy, does he? No. Which I, I kind of love that as well, that it's not always perfect, and they're like, come on, mate, stop being a dickhead. So, wanting to make up for his harshness, Hunter agrees to play a match of Degeric with Omega, telling her that she won't have to sit at another mission anymore if she wins. The episode concludes before their game is over, but it's safe to assume that Omega will be tagging along on their stop operation. Maybe. I just want to see her hurry up and get some armor or something. I want to see the the look of the character change. I would yeah, love yeah, to yeah. see her get a little bit of armor. Well, she's got a, um, she's got her um, the comp panel. She's got oh, the compad. She's also got her her bow. Her bow. Because I just don't think it's fair. Like from a squad perspective, that they're all in this like battle armor, and she's just wearing clothes. She's just walking around her, you know, like she's going for a shop, going shopping. Even Ezra got a helmet. Like in Rebels, he, like their looks changed uh, a couple of seasons in, which I loved. I loved that the show progressed and it changed their look. Ezra grew up, he lost his long hair, yep. he had the shaved look, but he had the, the trainee helmet, which he eventually uh, painted, I think. Mm-hmm. But then he also had the, the Scout Trooper. Yeah, he, he had loved a, that one. I'm pretty sure he had a modified Scout Trooper outfit. Um, there's no reason why Omega couldn't have a similar similar something. Just something. So like even yeah. though we see time and time again that these clone trippers or whoever's wearing armor get shot in the chest and it's like game over, one shot. Like that that's And, then, and then we've seen then we've seen Wrecker get shot straight in the chest too. Yeah, and then, you know, they got plot armor and they, they live to see another day. <laughs> I love I love that called plot armor. Oh, it's the it's exactly what it is. Anything that Anything that keeps a character alive yeah. is plot armor. So one other thing I want to talk about is um, I actually find it a little bit funny, but also cute at the same time. Was they're in they're in mid mission, and uh, hunters, you know, 
pulled the squad up for, uh, around the corner. He's, he's about to give them all orders to follow so they can start doing what they're going to do. And then he gives to go. He goes to give Omega some orders. And then uh, Tech reminds him, he's like, oh, that's impossible. Yeah, that would be impossible. He goes, well, why is that? He goes, because Omega is not on this mission. He's like, huh, oh, yeah. Huh. You know, I thought that was, that was a bit cute. Yeah, it's it's showing that he she's still firmly in his mind and it's not just as a... I don't think it's... It is as a squad leader, but as a big brother. Yeah. Well, Hunter's, Hunter's gone through a bit of a transition himself because we find... Um, say where they left Camino. Omega was more or less just the um, the tag-along, pretty much, and just this annoyance. She was just, just this kid who had, like, some form of interest the same as the Bad Batch. And, uh, you know, they, so they took, him under, I took her under their wing. But, you know, as they moved along, Hunter's, um, instead of just, you know, because he's never known how to interact with a child, how to how to do any of that. He's just a soldier. But when they made up with, with Cut Laquane, you know, the great scene when she get, when Omega gets uh, scolded for running off outside the fence um, and straight up Hunter screams at her, you know, and then, you know, she cowers. Then, then cut comes up and taps him on the shoulder and says no, and then just shows the, the passionate father side. You know the, that soft side. You know, are you okay? You know, it's okay. This is how it's going to be. You know, you're, you know, showing Hunter, there's another side, to what you have to do for her, um, and then further in the episode, you also you also see cuts cuts wife, come up to Hunter and say, this is what you need to be for her. And then he's like, oh. So then uh, after each episode, I've noticed that we've seen more and more he's, his head's starting to change, like it's second nature, like it's part of his combat training on how to actually deal with a minor, how to deal with a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this episode feels distinct from the the long sequence that was Bracker. Yep. But it wasn't exactly filler. I did watching it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of filler. Because it, it, there's nothing here that's really got to do with... The, the story yeah, to a degree. Yep. So the Bad Batch, <coughs> they're still doing this essentially to get paid, and without Omega in the episode, there isn't as much like you were saying the emotional center. Yep, we had to see them rea- as a squad once again, but it was clear that Omega missing was well, important. See, it just goes to show that she's somewhat rubbing off on them. Yeah, but I think the clash between Echo and the rest of the Batch, because he was clashing with the rest of them, it was sort of a replacement for that. It was a different sort of tension slash yeah. emotional barrier yep that was common ground yeah how many buckets are you gonna give it you know what I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a, uh, an eight an eight and a half yeah yeah Glenn oh, I'll give it three out of five buckets okay I will give it um, a definite seven out of nine buckets <laughs> um I, I enjoyed it because I liked seeing the dudes work together as a as a squad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I like the action. I like seeing the the military might of both the boys. A- actually, yeah, that's a bit of a um, team and square sort of vibe to that yep. scene there. The tension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I just liked seeing them work together and get the job done. Yeah. Also, this episode also shows us the, the very first time publicly a senator has been cheered. <laughs> oh, I guess. I thought we were cheering for Palpatine in um, 
Episode one, I think. I'm talking about like since um, the shit hit the fan. Yeah. Yep. Or even even uh, Clone Wars and all that. Not one of them got. Uh, yeah, well, they shit. definitely liked him, didn't they? Yeah. But al- but also, um, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot more to to the episode. You know, it's not wasn't just a, f- a filler episode. It was an episode that had a lot more to it. I, I kind of see where they're trying to go with it. With common ground, you know, with the whole republic or, you know, relics of the republic, and as well as you know, working out with the, with the separatists, you know, I can I can see all that kind of stuff, um, but you know, as as we were saying before, you know, we've seen uh, moments with with Omega, especially on this one, not actually being part of the mission. Also, it speaks basically speaks volumes. Because uh, this season's arc seems to be about incorporating Omega into the squad. Because first we see her as the tag along, as, and then as Crosshair's replacement, she was a burden, but now is is a pretty good fighter, and she's now turning into a great strategist. What yep. is next for Omega? Yep, yep, yep. But also one little one little um, thing I also picked up was a bit of a um, bit of a sim- bit of a bit of a symbol. Um, the presence of the ATTEs. So when we first seen them, they basically come in and helped save everyone from uh, you know being executed. Not just the clones, but you know the the ATTEs were a big were a big impact in the Battle of Geonosis. So they were basically there to help protect and help fight and all that kind of stuff that we've seen in the Clone Wars, even in um, Attack of the Clones. But now we basically see them as used as symbols of of oppression. Um, and that's a that's a big change from, you know, all the really cool things that you'd see, and you're like, oh, now it's like the precursor to the 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 at the at at. I think the whole army, the whole clone army, is is has got that feeling. Well, where, so where it was seen as the mighty republic, and now yeah. it's the yeah. Well, at, at the time of um, Revenge of the Sith, the, the Republic was on verge of collapse, while the clone army was was ready to lose, because um, the units were so stretched over the mid rim and the and the uh, uh, the outer rim, um, and basically what we're what we're saying now is with the conscripts coming in, is all these clone units, legions, battalions um, of all all these big holes that we see are now filled with conscripts, like even the five hundred first legion. After Operation Nightfall, man, it was like th- hundreds upon hundreds of clones were killed trying to trying to take out the the Jedi the Jedi Order um, at the temple, and basically those those ranks uh, got got filled with with conscripts and uh, through legends, you know, and other other certain parts of uh, details that we've seen in comics, the clones were not happy about having normal normals or regs in the, amongst their ranks to fill the Fill the voids left by their brothers. I wonder if we'll see that though with them and their switch with the the inhibitor chip, <coughs> and yeah. if that really comes into play at all. Yeah, yeah, well, that'd be interesting. Hmm. No, I enjoy this episode. I could watch it again. Uh, I just, like I said, the one thing that stuck out was that there should have been more of a divide between Echo and the Senator. I think there's there was something missing there. Well, even just a even just to like when they're they're held down, or they're you know in a room, you know, trying to um, trying to avoid detection. There comes that scene where there could have been like a little conflict between them, and then 
they pull up and then basically talk it out. Even something like that would have been good to see. Yep, yep, spot on. All right, uh, time for our other segments. Who wants to go first? Uh, I can't, I forgot. I forgot that bit. You had one job. I had one job. Completely botched it up. All right, Willie. Cool. Get ready for... Willie Willy Cannon. Cannon. Willie Cannon. Willie Cannon with William Lord Biscoff. All right, so we've had this conversation somewhere before... So I'm just going to bring it up. It is not canon. It is now Legends. Okay, I was about, I'm getting ready for Google. <laughs> yes, it's it was canon, but it's now Legends. Okay. Where all the good stuff is. Damn Disney. So we're going to talk about the, the Minimalist 10, which is uh, basically talking about Captain Fordo. Not Fordo again. <laughs> what? <laughs> Captain Fordo. Yes. Alpha 77. So basically, uh, Captain Fordo was a uh, was an Alpha class uh, Arc trooper, and he led a uh, he led an, uh, an advanced recon commando unit uh, filled with like uh, with other Arc troopers and whatnot, uh, Arc trooper lieutenants and a couple of uh, regular clone troopers who had who had uh, specified training, and uh, in the in the Great Battle of uh, Moonalis where. Uh, Jedi General Obi-Wan Kenobi leads his uh, Republic Army against the forces of the Separatists. Uh, basically, they've found out that the banking clan has, is, has become or is a, you know, a part of the Separatist Alliance and they're basically invading the, the capital planet and they're going to try and stop the, uh, the, the funding of uh, you know, the Separatists from the banking clan, or the support, the more rollout of... Uh, Droid, droid units, so so Captain Fordo and his unit uh, were basically assigned to taking out the, a massive, massive uh, planetary cannon that we used that was used to take out uh, Republic forces incoming to the city as well as uh, space forces. Um, so Captain Fordo, he had specialist training like other Alpha class, even some Null class. Uh, he was trained by Jango Fett himself. The group was named for its role in the destruction of the Hardian uh, defense cannon on the on uh, Munalist uh, during the early battles of the Clone Wars. The the mission on Munalist was also to uh, them to fight alongside Obi Wan Kenobi to capture the banking clan's headquarters to defeat the bounty hunter Dirge as well. Soon after the ba- the battle, Fordo would lead to save the remaining General Jedi left after the fall of uh, Hypori to the forces of General Grievous. This operation would see them engage in uh, a vicious battle with General Grievous. Although they were the best of the best, the Munalist 10 would sustain some casualties. Also, CT-43002 were killed during the ambush on Munalist, and the four Alpha Archer lieutenants were cut down by Grievous um, at Hypori too. This battle at Hypori was also the battle that um, Captain Fordo and the, the Jag eyes on his helmet. Okay. Because also, before the, the actual the Clone Wars come out, this is part of the micro-series, um, and was also written into the into canon, but now Legends. Um, it was, he was, Captain Fordo, at this time, was also used as the base model to create Captain Rex with the Jag eyes on his helmet. Um, but they end, up, they end up being basically two different people. Fordo end up getting left out of the Clone Wars and they end up going on using that sort of uh, a guideline for a character as Captain Rex. 
Yeah, right. Yep. Right, I had a little quick looky-looky at what Jagai's means. A simplification of, wait for it, Jagalolasuhais, which uh, is translated as Shriek Hawkeyes in Mandoa. We've mentioned Mandoa before. It was the language yeah. created by Karen Travis. Yes. In the brilliant <coughs> Commando books, but commonly referred to as Jag. So it was a Mandalorian signal bestowed by clan leaders as a mark of honour. So there you go. Rex has Jag eyes and Fordo obviously has Jag eyes. That's correct, yep. Uh, Fordo's more notably known for his his red uh, red insignia that he has on his armour um, and also his, uh, his phase two bucket is what he's, is what he's mainly known for. All right. It's that old chomp-chomp helmet. All right, I've got some trivia for you with cool. Jag eyes. How long ago do you reckon they were invented, and by who? They were they were invented. Oh, hang on. World War Two? No, no. This is in in the, oh, in in the Star the Wars universe. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No idea. In the nineties. Uh, earlier than that. Really. Uh, originated in production concept art and early paint explorations by Joe Johnston for the armor that would be worn by Boba Fett in the second Star Wars movie, The Empire Strikes Back. Many of Johnston's initial designs were abandoned prior to filming, uh, though they would be later resurfaced as signals adorning the armor of other Mandalorian soldiers and um, personalized suits of the Clone Trooper army. So yeah, no, it was uh, a. It started off as a. A little design thing for Boba Fett, and there's, there's photos here with the prototype helmet stuff, and he's got the uh, he's got the yeah. eyes on the helmet. Imagine cool. saying that; that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there you go. Oh, oh, looks pretty cool. Yeah. Right, I got some. I got a meme displaying. What? Oh, here we go. Meme splaining. Four panels. Just imagine this for a moment. Vice Admiral Holdo on the bridge of a ship. Yeah. I'm going to sacrifice myself to save the resistance by ramming my ship. Into theirs. Rose rams a speeder into Holdo's ship. Holdo, we don't we moors by destroying what we hate, but by saving what we love. Five minutes later. General Hux, the transports have been destroyed, the resistance is defeated, we have won the war and by destroying what we hate. <laughs> funny that, isn't that funny? Yes. That scene. Could have been improved. No, not that scene there. Admiral Holdo. They shouldn't have had Ad- Vice Admiral Holdo fly that ship. Said it before, I'm going to say it again. Should have been Akbar. No, it should have Go been. Go out in a bang. Yep. And then then this big moment when he's positioning it and then one of the Imperial officers sees what's happening and says, it's a trap. That would have been good. Been magnificent. No, it would have been a perfect, uh, way better than what what they did to him. I don't even remember what they did to he him. He flew out the window of Leia. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <coughs> that's just like I've, I a, saw that movie twice. What a waste! It's horrible. And I don't remember it. I didn't see him go out the window. What a waste of a character because he's had such a character development, like for so long. We um, we see uh, Admiral Akbar in the Clone Wars too, when um, the uh, Quarren are fighting with uh, the Mon Calamari. And uh, the 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 young prince of the Moncala, um, his personal guard is Admiral Akbar. Is it still canon that he invented the design, the B wings? No, it's a different Moncal. Yeah, it's a different Moncal. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was. The little tiny midget Moncal. Initially, he had something to do with it, or his daughter had something to do with it. 
or she flew. But no, in in Rebels, it's another Mon Cal that created the the B wing. But was it mentioned in the now Legends that he did it? Yeah. So in Legends, it was Gail Akbar, uh, assisted with the Verpines, and they designed the the B wing, which is my favourite ship. And in Canon, it's a Mon Cal called Quarry. Quarry. Uh, who is in Rebels. <coughs> and then Hera is the first one to pilot it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. The so Verpines were like... I imagine them to be like... Prey Mantis. Yeah. Because they were in the... Books. The Rogue Squadron. The X-Wing series books. So they were very much like Geonosians. Actually. They had very good eyesight. And they could see things to microns. They were insectoids. Yeah, I think... There was a mechanic for Wraith Squadron that yep. was a Verpine. Yep. I can just imagine them just hanging out with the pilots at the bar, having some drinks. Yeah. And then it'd be like, you're here late, mate. You're going to get trouble from your wife. He's like, ah, get back home. She's going to rip my fucking head off. <laughs> Give me some more grasshopper juice. And they have been in canon. Uh, there's a few things they've popped up in. Uh, but nothing that's, you know, of note. Ray's Survival Guide. <laughs> what? They popped up in Race Survival Guide, oh. whatever that means. When in doubt, claim your heritage as being Skywalker. Yeah. As like before all, you fails. see before you see epic lightsaber battles and fights and all sorts of powers getting used in, in like full on combat, working in harmony as a as a good uh, choreographed fight. After you see two two people wailing at each other with sticks like left, right, and the center with no form, no nothing. It's just you know, I'm gonna whack you, you whack me. I'm gonna whack you, you whack me. That's it. That's the, that's the story of the of the sequel fight scenes with lightsabers. There's no lightsaber form it, at all. No. <coughs> all right, let me try this. Hey Google, does Chewbacca have a penis? According to Volkszone Forum, Chewbacca has no penis. This is the least likely of the three scenarios involving Chewie's ween. <laughs> <laughs> I right. was not expecting that. That's pretty good. Whee! That's not. That's not fair. Chewie has no penis. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Google. I thought Chewie would be packing. <laughs> well, this has been Bad Batch Talk. <laughs> I'm William. I've been Brenton. I'm Glenn. And uh, thanks for joining us once again. I'll do the socials. Have, have thank you, the thank socials. you. You're good at this, bro. <laughs> if you would you like, remember his? No, I'm going to get him to say his. Yeah, cool. Uh, if you would like to follow any of us on social media, you can find myself on Instagram, Sovereign41. It's very easy to remember. Glenn, you can find Glenn on Instagram. Uh, it's Freddo of two Ds. <laughs> Glenn Freddo. It's Glenn Freddo. One N, two Ds. One N and two Ds. And you can find me as Echo2187. 21487. <laughs> it's getting longer. <laughs> That's fun. I can't remember. <laughs> you can't remember. How is anybody else going to find you? No, you can find me as uh, Echo2187. <laughs> You're getting, you see a lot of numbers. <laughs> Take three. Down under on Instagram. And you can find me under Echo Bischoff. On TikTok. You've got to see if you can change it to Echo Bishop. Yeah. yeah. I reckon, yeah. I reckon the, the two or three listeners out there, can you make some suggestions that we should call himself? Yeah. All right. So we need name a Willie. That's so what I'm going to, I'm going to read, I'm going to rename my, my Instagram. 
So what, what's a good name for my Instagram? Yep. It has to be Echo something. Yep. Something to do with Echo. Is there an Echo in here? Yes. There, <laughs> yes, there is. Well, that's your Instagram name. Is there an Echo in here? Yeah. Gone. I, I bet it is. We're going we're gonna to look this up right now. I had to change it to that because when I tried to redo it, um, so, so many things that are just simple stuff of Echo had already been taken. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Drop Bear Company. You can find Drop Bears at Instagram and Facebook. Now, if anyone's wondering, Drop Bam, Drop Bam, Drop Bam, Drop Bear Company is a uh, regional squad of the Clone Trooper Detachment of the 501st Legion. We are the Clone Troopers of Newcastle, Australia. That um, we are. We have. There's five of us at the moment, but we certainly want more. So always, 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 after, always after more clone armor and yeah. people to people to fill it. You can't get your zero Nico in here. Oh, that's really nice. came up as a one mm. you can't get. That's bizarre. Somebody may have claimed it. Maybe deactivated it. Look, like, no, didn't delete the account, but deactivated it. Mm. Can happen. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll get we'll get Echo a, a new Instagram name, a new handle for the gram. Yeah, sick, sick. All right. All right. It's been a wonderful chat. This is probably our longest one so far. It I need is. to give it a quite a bit of editing. We've, <laughs> Done a lot of... We've had some silliness. So... Yes. As always, may the force be with you. Always? Always. Okay.